Trinity Church exists to shine as light in our homes, in our community, and in our world. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. There's a lot going on. Are there, there, are there college students in here? Hey, I can't see you, but I can hear you. Um, uh, there, was, there were several mission trips, right? We did uh, Peru, Dominican Republic. If you went on a mission trip, raise your hand for me. Higher so I can see it. Thank you. What did the rest of you guys do? No, I'm just kidding. There's a lot going on. It, while you guys were, um, maybe right before you guys left is when earthquake happened in Japan, right? So we had an earthquake and a following a tsunami, and now we have uh, issues with their nuclear reactor there. There's a lot going on. Um, Last I heard, there was a quarter of a million people still in temporary housing. It had gone down from 550,000 to right now a quarter of a million people. And um, I was telling in the first service, I guess that's just, that's like being in a gym, like a high school gym and living there with your family. Um, so we need to pray for those that are in Japan. We, I, I don't know if they have homes to go back to. I don't know what that situation is like. It's so, I guess, fluid on the ground, but uh, that, that's a significant thing. Uh, what's going on in the Middle East is very significant. If you've been following what has happened in Egypt and now in Libya and Tunisia and some of the other countries, it's significant for the gospel, and it is uh, something that is and hasn't happened in quite a while, obviously. Uh, there are also personal things that are going on that are very significant. Uh, we have uh, people getting engaged. We have people going uh, to be married. We have people that are married. Uh, you have life situations going on. You have relationships. You have... Uh, People that are ill, people that are dying. There's hard times going on. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of things going on. And when that happens, when there's a lot of things going on, especially when there's something really personal happening in your life, uh, sometimes we may ask, who is God? Is he in control? Who is this God? And, and do we know him? Is he in control? And does he really care for me? Right? The real tough questions can hit at some of these significant times. Um, hopefully not while you're walking up to be married. Hopefully by then you're not asking, is he in control and am I doing the right thing? And um, I don't think we've ever had anyone back out on the way up, but we might start. Uh, but no, you're asking who is in control and why. And this morning, I want to take you to a place that is very meaningful to me. And that place uh, that I like to go when I'm wondering, uh, does God care for me, is the Psalms. So if you'd open up your Bibles uh, to the book of the Psalms, uh, to Psalm 37. I love Psalm 34, and I love Psalm 37, and uh, we only have a really brief time this morning because uh, we are also going to be bringing up our Stephen ministries, Stephen ministers, and telling you a little bit about Stephen ministry, and we have a brief time, but I'm in, I want to be in Psalm 37, and I'm going to read to you an extraordinary two verses, and uh, we should be done, let's see, by about 2.30, so... Um, just sit tight, you're good. I told the first service, if you get bored or start falling asleep, just pray for the Hesses and doing their stuff right now, family life. So we're good. Uh, I'm in verse 23 of Psalm 37. The steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. When he falls, he will not be hurled headlong, because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. Sometimes when we read the Psalms, we read through the entire Psalm, or we read two, or we read three, and we go through them really quickly, and we understand who God is from reading through these Psalms quickly. Uh, other times, it's good to just sort of 
dive into and chew on a couple of verses about who He is. Because they do, they tell us who He is with truth, both theological truth, and they also tell us who He is in that He cares for us. Look at what this says. The steps of a man are established by the Lord. Okay, Stop right there. God is in control. It says here that the steps of a man, and the, the meaning here is the steps of a righteous man, someone who is seeking to follow the Lord, who has Christ as their Savior, that steps of that man are established, are directed by the Lord. You may say, what am I going to do after I get out of school? Who should I marry? How should I parent? When should I retire? Should I retire? What should I do with in-laws? What should I do with my kids? You're wondering all these things. How should I deal with this illness? And it says here that the steps that you take, the very path, if you look behind me, those stones, the very path of your life is directed by the Lord. It is established by Him. He sets the stones and knows exactly where you're going. It says also here, just another thing that's amazing, it says He delights in His way. Okay, there are several different uh, translations. This is not a, a, an easy text to translate, uh, but here it says that God delights in His way. God delights in the man who is seeking to follow Him, who is seeking to follow that path that God has laid out for him. He said, okay, that's good. Hold on, we're talking about the God of the universe, the one that you just sang, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. Okay, this, this perfect, all-powerful God who holds all things together says that He delights in you when you walk in His way. It says earlier in the psalm that we delight in Him. Here it says He delights in us. So the goal for my life is to walk the path that He has for me, trusting Him, knowing that He delights in that. That is what He desires. And if that's the case, then I want to ask myself, what can I do to get in the way? Okay, if I want to walk that path, what can I do to sort of um, defeat his plan in my life? Well, it's called sin, right? Or it's called not following his path. He may have this path laid out for you, and he knows where you're going to go, but you may choose to not follow it. Correct? This isn't some large theological treatise on can I do it or can I not do it? What it's saying here is that the righteous man will seek to follow that. So I say, what is it that would keep me from following the God who is in control? Maybe it would be pride. Maybe you're not willing to humble yourself to his plan, his plan for illness for you, his plan for a difficult relationship, his plan for a certain school choice. You may say, you know what, that's not right for me. You don't have it down. You don't know what's going on. I'm not going to follow you. Okay? It may be control. It may be that you, uh, like probably everyone in this room, myself included, struggle with control. You say, I want to control what's going on. Right? I want to be the one that I want all three of my kids to follow the Lord. I'm going to control them. I'm going to control my life situation. I'm going to control the health situations around me. I'm going to control my job. I'm going to control my school. I am going to hold all this stuff together. And he says, I establish your footsteps along this path. He says, follow what I have for you. That's not even the best part. Look at this. Keep going. It says this in verse 24. It says, when he falls, he will not be hurled headlong because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. Did you catch that? It's important when reading your Bible to look for transitions. 
right? One of the things that you guys, you guys would have so laughed if you would have been there in my first Greek or Hebrew class at seminary like 15 years ago. I mean, I graduated from OU, so um, I went in and they were like an infinitive, an imparticiple, and I'm like, what's happening here? I can tell you who quarterbacked OU in 1980, uh, but that didn't really work. So what they said was when you see something like the word when, you listen. It says when he falls. When he falls. It doesn't say if you fall. It says when you fall. There will be hard times. There will be sinful choices that you make and you will fall. There will also be times that he takes you through struggles. And he takes me through struggles. That I didn't necessarily ask for or cause. It says when it happens, not if. It says you will not be hurled headlong. That's more my type of language. Hurled headlong. Uh, I told Mark in here during the first service, he's really good with illustrations. I'm not so good, but I couldn't come up with an illustration for being hurled headlong. Um, I thought about uh, some guy being thrown into like a western saloon, like the doors open up and here he comes flying out, but um, I don't know. What does it mean? It says that won't happen to you, but he already said you're going to fall. He said, okay, if I'm going to fall, but I'm not going to be hurled headlong, it means that he is going to be with you to the point that you are not separated from him or his will. He does not say you won't go through trials. He does not say you won't sin, even as a believer. He says when you do, it's not going to take you all the way to the point of separating you from me. Might you die? Yeah. The trial may cause physical death. Might you live? Yeah, you might live. Might there be fallout from your sin? Yeah. But he says it's not going to take you all the way where you're separate from me. Why? How? What does that look like? Keep looking. It says, because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. Okay, there's another word, because. It gives the reason for something, because. It says, when I fall, I'm not going to be hurled headlong because he holds my hand. Again, the text is a little bit difficult to translate uh, there. Some of your Bibles may say that he upholds your hand. Makes me think sort of of something out of the Old Testament. It also might say that um, he holds you with his hand. Uh, the NAS, which is translated up here, says that he holds your hand. He holds his hand. I think that's the best translation here. The point is the same in all of them. God is the subject. God is the one doing the holding. And he has come to where he is intimate enough with you that when you go through this trial, he holds your hand. Let me, let me, let me say something a little bit different way here. And this may be a little bit, um, I don't know, it's something that, that, that has helped me when I go through a hard time. Um, those of you know that I, well, I struggle with a lot of stuff. Um, you can just ask Lori, but uh, sometimes I'm anxious. And when I'm anxious or when I'm nervous, uh, this verse means a lot to me, right? And I like to imagine this. I like to imagine that I am sitting, um, and when I'm sitting there and I'm nervous, that uh, the Lord, that Christ himself is with me. Okay? Not, not, it's not a weird thing, but just imagine that he is there, that he is real, that I'm in relationship with him. And this verse says that when I'm going through that, he is holding my hand. And if I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, the God who made the universe and holds it together is holding my hand through this, guess what I feel? I feel sort of like There is a perfect, all-powerful, all-loving father sitting there saying, John, you don't have to be the adult. You don't have to be the warrior. You don't have to be in control. 
Not that you don't have to act like an adult. You still have to do that, okay? But you understand what I'm saying? Once you hit a certain age, you're like, wait a minute, I didn't sign up for adulthood. When did this happen? When did I get the one to be the one that's responsible? I don't know where it happened, okay? But you know the feeling. The weight of the world is on your shoulders, and it's difficult. And he says, I am sitting there, I am holding your hand, and you can look at him and talk to him through prayer and say to the one who knows everything about you and loves you and cares for you, I need you in this. He says, I have you in this. You're not alone. There's nothing happening that I don't know about. There's no plan. There's no part of the future that I don't know about and care about and control. That's the Savior that you're in a relationship with. He is real, He is present, and He is there with you. It says here that He holds your hand. He holds my hand. The feeling is one of, of relief. It is one of transferring responsibility to Him. He says, I am responsible. I am responsible. Follow my plan. Stay close to me, but I am the one that is in control. You may say, well, why doesn't he just not have us go through the trial? Wouldn't that be easier? Instead of having to do all this thing, and you're, you're sitting by Jesus, and you're holding his hand, and it's hard, and you're hurting, and why not just not go through the trial? Well, it's because there's several reasons for the trials, right? We know from James chapter 1, we know from Romans 5, we know from 2 Corinthians 4, there are reasons for trials. Okay, I want to I look at one of the reasons here, 2 Corinthians 1. So flip over to 2 Corinthians 1. Toward the back of your Bible. We even put it on a slide. Thank you. It's also on a slide behind me. 2 Corinthians 1. Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Did you catch that? Look at that again. He's saying, God be blessed, and God who is the Father of mercies is the God of all comfort. He's the one that's going to provide that comfort and it says He's going to do that in all our affliction with the purpose that we will then be able to comfort others. He says, I'm allowing you to go through this trial so that Christ's comfort can be real to you. That you can really know and understand His comfort. And when you know and you have His comfort in that difficult time where He is reaching out to you, that you are then going to be used by Him to give that comfort to someone else. He says the reason is for you, it's that you will be comforted, but it's also for others so that you can then minister to them and you can provide that comfort to them. He goes on to say, just as our sufferings, the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. He says you will suffer. But to the extent that you suffer, you will have abundant comfort from Christ. And whether it is in a personal relationship with Him 
through prayer that you are given that comfort, uh, or if it is through other people, which he chooses to use us, he says, I want to comfort you. What's the, what's the point? The point is that he receives the glory that you are comforted and then you comfort someone else. This morning, one of the reasons that I'm up here is I want to tell you, and we're going to do a little bit with one of our comforting ministries. Uh, before I do that, I want to sort of make a, a, a shameless announcement for something we're excited about. Uh, we are starting Grief Share, which is a uh, ministry for those who have had someone in their lives die. Uh, we are starting Grief Share on Tuesday night. And if you would like to join us, you're welcome. It's a 13-week uh, series. We would love to have you. Um, I, think, I think the number I said in the first service that Becky and Joyce counted up in the office of people who have lost loved ones this year was 20. And that's without knowing most of you um, that you've lost loved ones even. So that's a lot. So we want to work through the grief process. Um, it may have been something that happened 30 years ago. It may have been something that happened a few weeks ago. So you're welcome to join us. Um, it's t- Tuesday night up here. There is child care available, but you do need to let me know that you're coming. You can email me at the church uh, or you can call the church. Secondly, I want to tell you a little bit about Stephen Ministry. If you will open up your, uh, your bro- I don't know what, Sunday Bulletin. If you'll open up your Sunday Bulletin, there should be a... Uh, a brochure in there, it's yellow, and it says Stephen Ministry. One of the ways that God holds our hand is He does it through other people. And you are called as a believer to be there for other believers. And we also have a ministry here that's called Stephen Ministry that is a coming alongside ministry. So when you go through these hard times, if you look at the middle panel there in, your, in the handout, it says some of those hard times you might go through. It's talking about divorce, it's talking about death, it's talking about a hard time uh, at work or with uh, relationships. No matter what it is, um, when you're going through that hard time, we have people that have been trained uh, to come alongside you and to pray with you and to be there with you. It's called our Stephen Ministers. Very exciting. This is available to everybody at our church. It's available to people who don't go to Wildwood. Um, But we have uh, men and women who do this. It is uh, one-on-one ministry. Women minister to women, men to men, totally confidential ministry. Uh, people in the church won't know even that, um, that you have a Stephen minister, but it is wonderful. And our, even, our, even our weekly, bi-weekly uh, supervision group meetings with our Stephen ministers is like a little church family. These are great people that I would entrust my life and my care to. So if you need some help, if you want someone to just listen, um, you're, feel free to let us know that you would like a Stephen minister. This time I'm going to have Carla Fry come up, and she is going to talk a little bit more about Stephen Ministry, and we are going to commission three new Stephen Ministers. Good morning. I've been attending this church for 25 years. Ten years ago, our elders wisely brought on board two young pastors from Texas. One is now our executive pastor. One is now our care pastor. And I'm so thrilled that we have a care pastor that can lead us in these different things. Five years ago, he led us to California, some of us, to get training in being leaders of Stephen Ministry. Three years ago, we started a Stephen Ministry training program and brought 19 wonderful, wise counselor types on board. They have been a blessing to me. It has been an honor to be in the platoon with those fellow soldiers. One of the pastor, I mean, one of the passages that struck me that we looked at in our Stephen ministry training was one that's very familiar to even school children. 
because it's the shortest verse in the Bible. Even though he knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, he knew there was going to be a happy ending to that story. The Bible says Jesus wept. He understands our feelings. He has lived through the sorrows of this fallen world. This world is ruled by someone other than Jesus. And there's sorrows and, and hardships that come no matter how we live, no matter what we do. Even as Christians, those sorrows do not miss us. And this is a chance for you to have a friend, someone who can listen. Our Stephen ministers are trained in what's called process-oriented ministry, not outcomes-oriented ministry. They're not here to solve your problems. They're here to sit with you through them. And it's been just a blessing to be involved in this. And now I want to invite our Stephen ministers, our new ones up, to be commissioned this morning. One is missing, Miss Emily Tabb, who um, is taking her fiancé to the airport this morning to return to his country from having become engaged, so we'll excuse her. The others are Miss Terry Stonehawker, Miss Jana Stewart, and Mr. Dan Stewart. Brothers and sisters, each of you has been comforted by God with the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection for you. We ask you now to join in serving our Lord and those in our congregation and neighborhood who need to be comforted. As the Lord Jesus has responded to your needs, we ask you to strive to be responsive to the needs of others. As the Lord Jesus took the burdens of the world on his shoulders and has been a friend to you in troubled times, we ask you to be a friend to those who are burdened under the stress of daily life. As the Lord Jesus patiently listens when you turn to him, we ask you to be a patient listener in a hurried world. As the Lord Jesus has broken down the barriers that separated you from God, we ask you to heal divisions wherever you find them and strive to make people whole. As the Spirit of Christ has given you gifts for service, we ask you to use your skills and talents to help those people whom you serve and to pray for them. As the Lord Jesus has shown his care to you, we ask you to help this congregation grow as a caring community through your own caring ministry. As the Lord Jesus has revealed his presence to you through faith, we ask you to share your personal experiences of faith to those around you so that they too may celebrate the presence of Christ in our world today. We're now going to say the vows to commission you to be a Stephen minister. You'll answer yes with the help of God. And there's also a question for you guys, so you're going to answer yes with the help of God. So don't fall asleep. You're like three, two questions in, okay? Are you prepared to meet those requests that we ask of you? Are you prepared to nurture the skills you have learned and use them to, in service to others, to support, encourage, build up, and comfort people in all their needs? Now, I'm going to ask you guys, uh, would you open your hearts to the ministry of these people and to the ministry of all of our other Stephen ministers here uh, and to pray for them that they may be effective servants of Christ? Are you prepared to meet this request? We also ask you to accept their ministry when you need help, uh, to allow these individuals to work with you as you face struggles in your life that you might receive support and help from your Christian brothers and sisters. And I just want to add in there, especially to the guys. 
Since we've started this ministry several years ago, there's been multiple times where we've had, many times where we've had, um, all of our women, Stephen ministers, have had care receivers, have had people they're meeting with, and our men have not. So I don't know what it is about us as guys, but feel free to ask for help. You're going to see some of the Stephen ministers come up. Um, they're great folks, so guys especially. Um, let me ask you guys one more question. Are you prepared to serve as Stephen ministers at Wildwood and other places? Okay, I'm now going to ask our elders, our pastors, and our current Stephen ministers to come forward, and Mark is going to pray. As the team is assembling here, I just want to echo our enthusiasm as a church about this ministry and uh, just the opportunity that we have to uh, reach out and be the hands and the feet of Christ uh, in, our, in our body here. And Stephen Ministry is a significant portion of that. Uh, so just very thankful that we have the opportunity today to honor this ministry and to commission a new set of leaders. So as we do that, let's, uh, let's pray together. Father God, we are so thankful that you love us, and uh, you love us, and you are aware of everything that happens to us, around us, inside of us. Father, nothing that we go through requires any explanation from us to you, and uh, Father, because of that and because you care, you desire to be with us, and as we saw this morning, to hold our hands in the midst of the difficulties that we are in. When we fall, you desire to be the one to be there with us. And Father, many times the way that you do that, the mechanism that you do that in this world is through uh, your body, the church. And Father, this uh, collection of Stephen ministers are a representation of the body sitting with, caring for, and holding our hands during difficult times. And we are thankful that you have raised them up and you have placed them here and you have equipped them for this task and Father, I, I just pray for each of them, for every one of our Stephen ministers, Father, that there would just be a sense of dependence that would rule their hearts and lives as they participate in this ministry. Father, that it, they would not walk into situations leaning upon their training, even though their training was helpful. But Father, as they walk into times of ministry, that they would walk into them with total dependence, knowing that Everything that is necessary for that situation ultimately will flow from your heart, from your skill, from your ability, dear Lord, through them into our lives. Father, we pray that you would help them to be dependent upon you as they minister your love and your care. And Father, we pray that you would work not only through this group, but that you would foster a heart and a spirit of love and care and encouragement and support throughout the body here at Wildwood. Father, that we would be known as a place that cares for one another, uh, just as you have described your church on the pages of Scripture. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have today to recognize these ministers, to recognize this ministry, and Father, to look forward expectantly to how you will use it in the future. We thank you and we pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you. Well, you guys are welcome to grab a seat.
And as uh, we're grabbing a seat, we're going to welcome up Robin and Karen Node and Nancy Wance, who are going to sing a song for this commissioning. Christ to you, pray the 